We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. As always, appreciate you taking time to join the show. Good one today. Some good talking points. Not much going on in the Browns world, but plenty to discuss, as always, topics-wise, and we'll tie it into the Browns, as we always do. Uh, excited to have Andrew Spade with me, obviously, and then uh, a special appearance. Getting about once a week is what we're trying to do here with good friend John Colosimo. What's up, John? How are you, man? I'm good, Jake. Uh, very good, actually, this week. Uh, been feeling good, and despite the cold weather. So glad to be on again. Love it, man. Thanks for being here. Andrew, what's up, dude? How are you, man? Uh, doing well, Jake. Thanks for uh, having me. Thanks for uh, John. Thanks to John for joining us, I guess is what I'm trying to say a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, excited to be with both of you. All right. As we start, I want to do a little bit of, um, a, I guess this is going to be a daily segment because if you've noticed lately, Andrew and I come together and we say the, we do the like, did you see this or did you see that segment? We 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 probably could just label it that. But what I've noticed is going even further into the into the mold of like what people talk about online. It's every day it seems to be people getting bent out of shape or mad about something unnecessarily. So what we're gonna try to do, and I would love it if you guys would like provide these every now and again, the listeners out there, like you saw something that we should react to and maybe we missed it, et cetera, et cetera. So like the idea here is to go with every single day. What were people mad about online? It's it's usually something unnecessary, unjustified, could be ignored, but is made a big deal of happens every day. It seems like today's little piece of um, what everybody was mad about. It ties into the NFL's sort of scouting community. There is the, there are these clicks of, communities in the football world there's the data community there's the fantasy football community like even digging deeper into the fantasy football community there's the dynasty fantasy football community and then there's this like we said the scouting community which is very guarded about this sort of concept so what kurt benker did who was a quarterback in the nfl for five years he was around he's with the packers the falcons i think he might have stopped in with the 49ers for a little bit he does a youtube channel which is a little bit of everything NFL, but it's mostly quarterback stuff. And it's usually like Madden. He tries to do a lot of breaking down like 
how the NFL calls plays and then and then implementing those plays usually like out of the Shanahan playbook into Madden schemes. It's actually it's interesting. And I'm a Madden player, you know, obviously big news with NCAA coming back officially today, but we won't dive into that. I won't waste everybody's time. But anyway, that's where I've seen Kurt. And he today mentioned he had a YouTube video up breaking down Jaden Daniels film, called it a film study. And what he did was he said a film study and the guys in the scouting community saw that he was watching and reacting to Jaden Daniels highlight tape. If you know one thing, a highlight tape is not breaking down film because you only get the highlights, right? So what I think the goal of the, the, the segment here is, fellas, is who's right and who's wrong? Who's justified? Andrew, I'll come to you first. Do you think Kurt Benkert, who said that he he doesn't, you know, his response to this was, I don't really try to go in depth like crazy with these because there are guys who really do a great job with that like quarterback school and some others who dive in and pick apart the nitty gritty he says he tries to do film stuff and video game stuff like all football content like the guy sitting next to you on the couch was he wrong for labeling this a film breakdown did he break a cardinal rule of of how the the world works in pre-draft content by saying he was doing that or are we blowing this out of proportion I'm going to, I'm going to choose both as my answer. I, I think, I think from what I understand about Kurt Benkert, he seems to be a guy that is mostly kind of having fun with this stuff rather than like really digging in. And so he, I, I would, if I was classifying him in terms of how my mental map of Twitter works, he would go in the guys that have takes category rather than the guys that know what they're talking about category. That's that's where I would classify him. Having said that, there is absolutely, as you mentioned, a uh, far too prevalent, uh, very small community on Twitter that is about knocking people down unless they have grinded more film than is logically possible for anybody that isn't fully unemployed. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, that t- I I think I don't really look to him for analysis of these players, so it doesn't bother me. But he calling something a film breakdown and then watching highlights is is kind of goofy. So like I kind of see it both ways, I guess. Okay, fair. I think it's fair. Kurt needs to be more responsible with his verbiage. The scouting community could probably ease up a little bit. I think we could agree on that scouting community. Calm down. Okay. John, where are you at on this one? So I don't really, I'm not familiar with him. Is it possible that he just literally did this on purpose as a joke, knowing that it would flare up people? It may be, but I don't, he, the way he responded to it made me feel like he was like, Oh, I said something incorrect and people are jumping on me when they shouldn't be like, this is why I do it this way. That's he the does vibe. Have a I little got. troll to him, though. He really does. He it would have been a good one. Right? Troll face. It would have been a good one if he did it on purpose. Yeah. So I, you know, they're oversensitive. Come on, guys. You know, who cares? <laughs> they're very guarded. The scouting community very guarded about about takes. Got You got to have put in. You've got, like Andrew said, you have to have uh, been grinding the tape for somebody on the unemployed, getting paid by the state type of. Uh, type of hourly wage there to make it work because there's just no time to do what some of these people claim to do. It's kind of crazy, but uh, that's what everyone was mad about online. I will say 
I will ask you, I can't help myself, guys. I got to ask you one question about NCAA football, okay? It's actually not NCAA football. It's college football 25. If you were starting a dynasty today, what team are you trying to rebuild? That's what I want to know. I think that I would base a lot of my rebuild on uniforms because there are a lot of great uniforms in college football today. So I got to know. This is this is it. I, it's like it's like I'm not going to say the exact drug. It's a drug for me. I love this game. If I had to pick like five things to put on my tombstone, this would be one of them. I love this game as a kid, so I can't help myself. I'm struggling not calling it NCAA football. It seems as though the college football name is telling us that the NCAA is dying right in front of our eyes. But uh, uh, I will say I, I'm curious to know you guys crack this game open. You get a little time in your adult lives. You're like, OK. I'll play this game. I'll download it. I'll get back into my old school dynasty I used to do back in the day. Who are you picking to rebuild? That's a very important question right off the bat. We'll go to you first, John. The Hilltoppers. Western Kentucky. That's a fun. They got a lot of fun helmets, the Hilltoppers. They they put together like, did you see their thing this year where they had a bunch of like different players on the team had different like the, the Hilltopper logo? Do you guys know the name of that thing? I don't yeah. know the name of it, but he's doing like different poses on different helmets was actually a really funny idea that'd be a good one andrew i know you got a great answer for this go ahead for me i like this programs that have been at the mountaintop in the past and then have kind of fallen fallen mm. down over the years right so you kind of you you're picking up on a name and sort of re- building it up to what it used to be and i i, I think it, the obvious answer is alabama right like it's been over a year since they won a national title but a few years now and then they lost a bunch of commits so you got to mm-hmm. Start fresh with them. No, um, really serious, creative uniforms too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot of color. Big red is the name of the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers mascot. Just look that up. Maybe like I don't know. Boston College would be a fun challenge. Mm. They haven't been relevant in a while. Um, Put yourself in Bill O'Brien's shoes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Those are <laughs> those are shoes that I feel like I actually am maybe qualified to fill. Uh, in the in the Big Ten, I guess like Michigan State's been on you know, been, been down a few years so that that would be one, but really, you know, my move when I played the game long, long time ago was to take an FCS team, put them in the Sun Belt or whatever mm-hmm. and, and build them up all the way. So if I'm doing something like that, then, you know, you got to get weird and go, go out West and do like Eastern Washington or Montana, something along those lines. That'd be fun. You could always get like a recently added D one a school, which like James Madison, that'd be great. Right. Yes, Different. absolutely. Yeah. I think that when I th- have thought about this, cause I don't, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but I, I spent a little too much time maybe thinking about this. Um, right. East, you, Eastern, you asked us this question so you could answer it yourself. That's what's going on here. hundred percent. You, you know, you, you set the ball on the tee knowing that I get to hit it too. At some point, uh, East Carolina, love the uniform combos of East Carolina. That's where I would go. I've thought about this way too much. So I'm not going to say anything else other than I just love the uniforms. And uh, it's a challenge. It would be a challenge to get that one in the in the perfect direction. So, all right. Anyway, that's the NCAA content. I was, see, I did it again. That's college football 25 content I was trying to, to put out. All right. Otherwise, uh, Steve Wilkes, I think, is one of the the more broad NFL uh, discussions that are happening right now. And I want to I ask you guys' opinion on this. Who's right? Who's wrong? Um some people are in the this is another mad about online thing this would actually qualify for the same category because a lot of people really worked up about this if you pay attention to 49ers folks who have covered this all season long there has been some dissension this is not stemming from one game and um yeah long story short people seeing this think that Kyle Shanahan is scapegoating Wilkes people 
uh, around 49ers coverage all year think that this was just brewing in the background and this game pushed it over the edge. Where are you guys at on Steve Wilkes being removed from the 49ers equation after? Well, I mean, there's no way to put it any other way. It's right after the Super Bowl and it, it does have a bad tinge to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it definitely does. I, I think we talked about this. I brought this up the other day, sort of un, <laughs> unprompted. When I step back and think about the 49ers performance in the Super Bowl, the offense underperformed way more than the defense did. I, I said it the other day. You held the Chiefs to 19 points in regulation and you get fired. So, like, the conversation after the game is all about how inevitable Patrick Mahomes is. But if Kyle Shanahan's offense does what Kyle Shanahan's offense did all year, the 49ers are Super Bowl champs right now. I don't understand. Like, I, I know that it has been reported that he has been the subject of a lot of blame in the building there, but I, it doesn't seem to me that he is deserving of that blame. And I would also just observe that Kyle Shanahan just hired him a, a year ago. So like this thing where you hire somebody and then get frustrated with them all year and kind of make them out to be responsible for the flaws of your team and then fire them when you don't win a Super Bowl in which your offense doesn't score enough points to win the game feels really gross to me. And I think it feels like hiring a year in advance, a uh, sacrificial lamb uh, scapegoat type situation. And I, 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 we have been just, you, Jake, you know, you've been like, we're, we've both been saying we don't want to make this loss about Kyle Shanahan's shortcomings as a coach, but I think this is a shortcoming of his as a, maybe even as a person, like this is not a way to treat people that you hire to work for you, I guess is what I, I think. John. Yeah. Respond. If you, if yeah, you let will. me uh, play a little bit of devil's advocate on that. I think that's probably the right answer. Um, you know, as far as that offense should have done better, but <clears throat> at the same time, you know, if you let's, let's assume that it, it, that hiring went on in good faith. And if you watch this guy all year, you know what kind of talent he has over on that side of the ball. And you see that person week in, week out, make decisions that where the logic you just don't agree with, you know? So I'm not sure, you know, there were reports that they cost him a, you know, cost him a timeout because Shanahan saw that one of his call coverages is going to get roasted. Uh, well, did you guys did you see the 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 whole mic'd up no. thing? So I'll just give you that preface. I'll throw it back to you, John. So in that they kept calling that Mahomes. It looks like an RPO, but it's just naked. Is what they're. I mean, it's just like being under center and bootlegging off of it. Every part of it looks like an RPO to the front, because okay, I want I want to make sure I'm kind of clear about this. This happened to the Browns a couple times this year. Anytime you get attacked, like if you're an edge and a tackle blocks down, you are taught on quarterback mesh, you either have the run or you're playing the quarterback, okay? So in the gun, there's no way of knowing as the tackle disappears on what looks like a zone block, whether it is actually like a, a truly designed RPO or if it's a truly designed like play action, run action, roll out and throw it or run it, right? Like you don't really know that as an edge. So what I found interesting is that on that 
specific fourth down in overtime where the 49ers stop them. It's fourth and one. They stop them and they, they win, right? You can see on the sideline, um, you can hear Trent Williams yelling, watch the quarterback, watch the quarterback. And you, you watch the play unfold and the look on Shanahan's face is so disgusted because here's where I'm at. That play happened in like the third quarter. Your guys come to the sideline. You have to get that tightened up no matter what it is. Because what happens is if a quarter, if the edge plays it as I'm chasing the run game to fit the, 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 to be the guy on contain on a cutback, somebody has to scrape over top to play the quarterback from the second level. The problem is there was no communication on this all game and it beat them three times. A huge third quarter first down where Mahomes ran it for a ton of yards. Then again on that fourth and one. And then again on the goal line touchdown to win the game. So how can you not – like you're telling me if if someone comes over to Bosa on the sideline and says, hey, man, I don't care if they step down, but you're playing quarterback. I do not want him outside of you. So I think that the vibe I got was that this is like a continual thing where they can't fix things in game. And these have bit them at times this year. But to, to to Andrew's point, I also understand the defense giving up 19 points should have been enough to win that game. And we shouldn't even have got to overtime for those two plays. So there's two sides to that. I understand. I, I don't, and I'm not going to pretend and I'm not pretending that you guys should know all the other stuff that happened earlier in the year, but the timing does not look good here. It just looks really ugly. And it looks like Kyle is, trying to say, hey, man, this defense, which was pretty good this year. I'm not sure, Andrew, maybe you know other top five DVOA defense, pretty damn good. Yeah, they were. Is the reason we lost this, uh, you know, I guess you're saying somebody can come in and just be that much better. And it's like, how much better do you want them? Do you want them to shut them out? What do you want them to do? Because it didn't feel like the defense was the one that let them down in regulation. It certainly felt more offense tilt. So I don't know, John, if you still have anything off of that, but I wanted to give that information, which is kind of leaked out today. Well, yeah. And I, I just, you know, obviously it, it worked to great effect for the most part, um, you know, and I just don't know whether it would have been better, you know, in a, on a team with basically nobody at receiver. I mean, to be zero blitzing Pat Mahomes on that. It just, that seems like, the worst one. I mean, but I, what can I say? We have like 19 points, you know? So, I mean, I get it. And you know what? Ultimately, if, you know, what the interesting question is, right? If that ball does not, you know, bounce off that blocker's foot and Ray Ray can't recover mm-hmm. it. And he, if he recovers that ball, let me put it that way. If he recovers that mm-hmm. ball, would Wilkes still have gotten fired? But much later, you know, let him do the parade and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's great. That's a great proposition. Results-based stuff. Because you probably can't. I mean, you can't at that point. Can't You cannot do it. No matter how bad your dissension was before the game, you just can't. I do wonder if, like, there was a confrontation at some point on the sideline or after the game that pushes you in that direction. I don't know. Just It's just uh, the timing's rough. Timing doesn't look good. Yeah, and I'm, like, I don't want to just stick up blindly for Steve Wilkes. I, I don't. I, I, he has lost a lot of jobs, so I, it's not as if That's true. I, but, but I, I do think that like, yeah, the timing piece is, is part of this. There's, there's, I mean, like it has to be said that there is a racial component to this because there has, you know, there's a, a sort of data that supports the idea that 
white coaches and general managers get more opportunities to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. I mean, if the standard of not adjusting to something in a playoff game is the one that we're using for firing, Jim Schwartz would be really happy that he doesn't work for Kyle Shanahan. Steve, Steve's had a lot Andrew. of opportunities, though, to make mistakes. You know, yeah. And like Spagnola is another one. I was watching the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl with the Eagles, and I'm watching like 35 points get scored by the Eagles, and I'm like thinking to myself, man, I didn't really have this uh, Spags love this this past year. You know, <laughs> it is. Uh, it's just it's interesting how that stuff shakes out. The NFL and how you think about and how you frame these things is really really tricky i i would i i'm not going to pay attention enough probably to hear kyle's justification if he goes up in front of the media and talks about it but it was something a lot of people were really pissed off today so we'd be remiss and if we didn't talk about it i think just one last thing here the, kyle shanahan is also the guy that we all remember took a powerpoint into a meeting in cleveland to mm -hmm. talk his way out of that job so it's not like i mean i i just think across the board loyalty clearly is not maybe kyle's strong suit I think that is very fair to say. At this Do you point. think he had a PowerPoint um, for Steve? Wouldn't surprise me. So the brand is the brand. Unless he's committed out in California now to the Google Sheets or uh, Google Slides, that's where he's gone. Changed his approach. I don't know. Uh, I just am going to be curious to see who they think a better option is out there. And I will also say that the 49ers coaching staff in its entirety, especially on offense, was picked pretty dry. So uh, not that he's never been able to replace people. He kind of drives the engine there, but something to uh, consider. We're talking about that with the Ravens as well. We'll see if they're able to bounce back uh, in the NFC. So yeah, that's, uh, that's it. That's the NFL beat and kind of everything that was talked about today. The Browns, as we close here, they were able to uh, officially announce the hiring today of Andy Dickerson and Roy Estevan, which is, um, which is good, which is great. Get those guys out in front of it. Some good quotes about that. We wrote that up at the OBR, so you can go, uh, go check that out. But what I want to do Yesterday, Andrew and I hit on three positions we think the Browns should be attacking to put themselves in a better position to win the Super Bowl this upcoming season. I want to ask you guys who your dream offseason acquisition is. So this can be a free agent. It could be a trade of some variety. Like a, a, We're trying to stay realistic here. So you know, maybe hold off on like your Tyreek Hill trades or something like that. Um, but we're, we're trying to stay as you know realistic as possible. You can trade up in the draft and maybe the 30s. A guy might be available there. Uh, you can have that uh, desire too, but just a guy you think would really, really do well here within reason that you think the Browns could acquire somehow and uh, would would help push them in the in the direction of winning a Super Bowl because that's what the entire offseason is focused on is closing the gap between them and the Chiefs, right? So uh, I'll throw it to you first, uh, John, with your with your name and try. I'll try my best. I suck at this. I'm not going to try to name five people. I have one person. So let's see if we can keep yeah. it to one. All right. So um, I would trade a third round pick to the Saints. For our boy Shahid, that's your guy. Which I agree, it'd be I fun. Think you think it would take a third? No, I would just go up to a third if necessary. But I would be willing to okay. trade a third for him. I think he would be everything and more that we wanted out of Goodwin. Um, he's young. Um, he's great on specials. I think he would be absolutely dynamite for the team and and needed for his skill set. I think Shahid, Shahid, yeah, that's a good one. If you go watch. I mean, New Orleans might have been the most boring team to follow this year, just for many reasons. Um, but when they hit big plays, Shahid was in the middle of a lot of those big plays downfield. Some really good NFL films moments that he's involved in uh, with some continuity between him and Derek Carr, kind of finding him in big moments. So I, I'm, I'm with you. We had talked about this earlier in the offseason. I had to, unfortunately, remind he's an exclusive rights free agent because his come about was very weird, like how he worked out and got there and 
and has taken off uh, is uh, is one to pay attention to. If they don't lock him up for for the future, he would be one in the next few off seasons to pay attention to for sure. Good good one there, Andrew. Well, I'm I'm kind of torn between two, not because I can't decide, but because I don't know if Here we, we consider T Higgins realistic. Is T Higgins realistic? I think we're going to have to take him out of the realistic realm. Okay. I just right. I just think that right. That's, I just wanted to double check. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair. Because that's the answer in my it mind. It is. It is. The, the answer is is backing a Brinks truck up to his house if he hit free agency and and you know throwing his luggage in there, moving him up the highway to uh, to Cleveland and. But if I if I don't get to say that, then I'm going to go the other side of the ball, and I'm going to say, why not sign Justin Matabike and build the world's best defensive line? It's a and great, it's a great name. Absolutely, roast quarterbacks every week. Is the prevailing thought, Andrew? Have you paid attention to this from their side? They're just going to let him walk. I didn't know if they if they had any. If you've heard any, I have not heard. Buzz I, or and I, you know, I that I don't. I haven't heard anything about the tag. But okay. I know the tag is fairly affordable for defensive tackle, so you would think that they probably. I my guess my thinking has been that they get it done with him because yeah. he's I, so I think talented. He's probably the in terms of players that are reaching free agency or that are veterans, he's the most valuable player on their defense. The other guys that are more valuable are all the young guys that are there for a few years, right? Yeah, I, I would agree, and I I would say venture so far as to say if guys hitting the market and you're paying for what you think is going to be continued growth and production is one of the more appealing free agents in general. And he's age. I don't know his age off the top of my head, but it has to be 25, like 26, I think. Yeah. yeah. So he's about to hit his prime. Really, really good signing for somebody. I think the Cardinals have shown like there's been a lot of buzz about their interest, but yeah, I mean, you could pair him up. He could be, I mean, he becomes the anchor. Dalvin Tomlinson is kind of the name on the, on the in and out the next few years. So yeah, that would be a really good one. Didn't even think of that, so so kudos to you. I'm going to go the draft route, guys. I know last year, John, you and I were very into Marvin Mims, Oklahoma. Um, I think a guy who's similar to him as far as the explosive athlete, what is a more nuanced receiver in a receiver class with so much depth, including a teammate of his who's really talented, I'm going to go Xavier Worthy. So... I think he's going to blow up the combine in a way that's going to be really impressive. There are going to be people concerned about his size. Um, got some like Travis Benjamin vibes to him, a little taller, but very slender. But he's going to run a really fast time. Again, I think the draft is going to like, at least to me, has potential to put him in the 40s. You probably would have to trade up into the 30s to go get him. But you're talking about a young man who would be like a Shahid John, who is explosive, but a nuanced and clean route runner. And I think that there's just a chance that we're going to look at this draft in a couple years and be like, this really was historic. And guys like Xavier Worthy slipped to the second round because there are so many good ones uh, in this draft that they're just going to get overlooked. And some people are going to extend themselves for positions that they probably shouldn't extend themselves for because, you know, it's not the deepest draft at a lot of other spots. So something to consider. We have uh, Justin Matabike, Xavier Worthy, and then Rashid Jaheed. Three pretty different perspectives there. We got a trade, we got a free agent, and we got a and we got a, a drafted player. Not necessarily the uh, route that we planned, but it worked out perfectly there. My impromptu googling tells me that Matabike is expected to be free uh, franchise tagged if he's not re-signed before the deadline. So. I think the 20th is the um, open My battleship is tag. sunk. 
you can audible. Do you want to audible? Open to do it. <laughs> Matt BK's too good. I really, uh, if I were the Ravens, and if they if they didn't have to use the tag in some other yeah, way, yeah, yeah, I yeah. would be really upset if they let him go. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I, it's I think it is a little fanciful. So, um, I yeah, I don't have another good option like locked and loaded here. Uh, but I don't know. Um, maybe just throw a bunch of money at Joe Flacco and make sure he resigns. I, I'm not sure. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, we've got uh we've got some routes here. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep getting more in depth. I think we're gonna push the mailbag to the weekend, and then every weekend we're gonna come out with a mock draft on Monday. I think that's gonna be uh a little alliteration there, a little Monday mock draft, and then weekend uh you know, weekend whale bag. That's what we're gonna call it. All right. <laughs> so that's the uh that's the feature coming up. Um we're going to take a break. I appreciate you guys hanging around for the open. Some good topics here. Appreciate John for swinging by. Um, when we come out of break, we are going to talk about, uh, we're going to, we're going to review the defensive end. So uh, we'll get, we'll get through that. I appreciate you guys. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets, create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co. But I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All righty, the Edge Group is up next. 
in our positional review and look ahead, we have a quick recap of performances this year. Guys who played significant number of snaps. Miles Garrett played 844 snaps, 89 pressures on the year, 15 sacks, 60 hurries, and um, a nice trophy at the end of the season. Zadarius Smith had uh, 603 snaps this year, 61 pressures, 40 hurries, 6 sacks, 14 tackles, including 19 stop tackles, right? Uh, and those are solos, by the way. Uh, Ogbo Okoronko is the next highest snap count player. He had uh, 459, 33 pressures, 25 hurries, 20 tackles on the solo side, including 20... Um, he had 22 stop tackles, so he got in on some of those in the assist realm as well. Alex Wright had 407, 21 pressures, 15 hurries, 5 sacks, 14 solo tackles, 16 stop tackles, and then fringe players getting some time. Four games, Isaiah McGuire, 93 snaps, 8 pressures, 5 hurries, 2 sacks, and then Sam Kamara had 79 snaps late in the year. He had 4 pressures, 5 tackles, 4 stop tackles. So that's your group. Pretty healthy, Andrew, outside of Oak Ronco. Missed some games late in the year. But I think it was, I mean, it was what we expected. We we thought Miles could win the award. We thought Zadarius could be a perfect counter part at the position. Thought Oak Ronco could play 500-ish snaps effectively. Might be our highest graded group yet. What do you think? Well, Sam Kamara's dragging the grade down for the whole group. <laughs> this, this, that's what I'm concerned about. No, you're absolutely right. It's... It's a it's a great example of the Browns did a, a wonderful job of adding even when we thought they didn't need to add more with that trade in May for Zadarius Smith and it pushed them into the next kind of level and I think really enabled Miles to accomplish things statistically that he, he he's been in the same ballpark in previous years, but I think the fact that the defense overall played so well kind of really lifted him. And so, uh, yeah, he, he wins defensive player of the year. I would be happy to relitigate the reasons why he was a deserving winner. Uh, you know, I would, but, um, yeah, we haven't talked about that enough. We should do it again. Right. Exactly. Kind of fallen off the radar, but no, I, it was a, it was, it was the, they couldn't kind of couldn't miss. They were very hot with their, their moves here. The Okoronkwo signing, I'm just I was reviewing contracts to kind of get a sense of where the 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 room is going into next year. He's so affordable for what he puts on the field every week. It's really incredible. Uh and just the the energy he plays with the and the I think the I don't know a leadership role but certainly a a, a positive chemistry guy, I think in terms of really likable and and in the building. I we talked previously this week about if they would want Sidarius back, if they need to, you know, how they would need to address edge if he's not back. And I think that will be an interesting question, but we'll save that for the next segment. For this segment, it's about giving a grade. I think it's an A. I think it's an A plus. I really do. I don't know what they could do that you would want more than what they did. I don't have much to add to that. It, it was a position group that anchored pretty much everything that they did. I don't think it was like, I view the defensive tackles as the most unexpectedly productive group. We'll talk about them on the next show. But I think these guys did a really good job of having a high standard and meeting it throughout the season. So, yeah, I mean, to having three guys you feel really good about. And I think 
you would agree with me where, where Alex Wright took some steps in a really positive direction toward the end of the season to the point that there's like a legitimate question of whether they need to increase his role from like a 400 snap to a 600 snap player. That's a discussion worth having, which we will. And you feel like if they ran it back with the four guys there, that they have a really pretty strong, pretty strong group because also worth noting Sidarius miles and Alex Wright are all guys who can work inside as well to find the field. So fascinating that they can move those in a really nice part of the group that they can, they can be a versatile exchange of positions. So that's what we have uh, with them. I think the who stays and who leaves question, we know Okoronko is back because he's pretty much on a three-year deal uh, without much of an out. We know that miles is obviously here. We know that Alex Wright is on his rookie deal. We know that Isaiah McGuire is on his rookie deal. The question is, do they need to add Zadarius again, or should they be swinging for a tier down a little cheaper and increasing somebody like Alex Wright's role and maybe leaning into a draft pick? So the stay leave question is just a Zadarius Smith question for me, Andrew. Yes, for sure. And it's a, and it's a question about how many spaces there are in the room, right? Because they, they've shown that they want to carry five. So if you draft somebody, that person is either is probably pushing Isaiah McGuire off the roster or or vice versa, right? Those guys are going to be a direct competition. So yeah, it is really one spot and it's Zadarius Smith's spot. I think the question about Zadarius is what does he want to get paid? Because if he wants a multi-year commitment with a fair amount of guaranteed money at his age, I think the Browns would be better served by shopping, like you said, in a lower tier for a bargain. So that's a that's a question obviously we can't answer because we don't I, I don't have Zadarius's agent's number at least. So give him a call and see what he says. But from my pers- perspective, that's the main question. And, and kind of like with the defensive tackle room, which we've talked about, the, the edge room has a lot of interesting tier down guys uh, that would be available for less than what Zadarius was making that would, if you felt comfortable with Alex Wright taking another step, would would round out the room nicely and leave you some money somewhere else. So Derek Barnett is one of those players. A, a name that that is completely off the radar because of injury issues is M- Marcus Davenport. Was with Minnesota last year, uh, played 118 snaps, but the two previous years was one of the best edge rushers in the league. So he's out there. Uh, Brandon Graham, in terms of veteran player, is, is available. I mentioned Carl Lawson the other day. These are all players that are going to be a lot less expensive than Zadarius Smith. And then I think the other question is, do they want to try and swing for, if, if Zadarius wants 12 a year, for example, do they feel like, well, if we're going to pay Zadarius 12, let's pay Chase Young 15 and get a younger player that potentially could explode in a way that Zadarius is, I think the, the a lot of the risk for Zadarius is, is downside risk in my mind, just because of his age and yeah. some of his injury history. Yeah, he's the he's the linchpin on this whole thing because if you just like if you if you slot in his money again and then you're talking about someone like a Chase Young or a bigger swing uh, along the defensive line and you're saying like all right, we're going to increase that role of that by 5 million or something. It's it's certainly feasible. And I will say that there's a lot of outcomes I'm fine with which we'll dig into in the coming weeks, but like having Zadarius back would also like you said if the market doesn't present itself and turns into a Jadevian Clowney scenario for him, 
more than fine bringing him back and running it back one more year. So, uh, so like I said, a lot of options here. The baseline that you feel good about is that the Browns have three under contract for next year that are at least, you know, that position group is strong enough. Uh, I'd like to make it stronger. They could obviously draft a guy at 54. That is, uh, you know, it's funny, all these these sites. Is it 54 or 55? We should know this as the experts, but like Pro Football Focus has them at 55. Oh, do they? Other sites have them at 54. Is there yeah, somebody been... losing a first round pick? Isn't Miami losing a first round or second round pick or something? I could be losing my mind here, but I thought somebody lost a pick and that's why it's 54 and not 55, but I could be totally wrong. I'm, I am off balance. I was not expecting a lost draft pick to be part of this. I, I thought that no. was last year for the uh, tampering with Tom Brady thing. It, it sounds to me. Or maybe it was uh, two picks. I don't know, man. I just know that these sites are spitting out different picks. Like um, someone who follows this stuff super close is probably laughing, but most places seem to have them at 55. And then I've seen some others that have them at 54. Yeah, really so I'm just kind of curious. 54. I'm shocked. I had no idea that there was dissension. There is dissension. There is a, there's a difference in these simulators out there. Anyway, I think we've nailed down. You can survive. You can, you can upgrade Zedarius. You can keep him at a cheaper number. If the market shakes out the way we think it might, the path to improvement is probably Andrew as simple as taking a swing on a draft pick in the first four that they have again, and then signing somebody at the Zedarius level or better. That's probably the path. And then you're hoping that Alex Wright takes the next step off of what he's done. And Oak Ronquo is able to stay healthy for a full 17 and continues to be the player that we think he is, is getting better as, as the years go on. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's difficult to see a path to improvement with this group. I feel like the baseline's pretty strong. I agree with that. I think one of the things that's interesting, Jake, this year is that with the emergence of some players, especially on the defensive side, they have multiple routes to go now. Last year, it felt real cut and dry, right? That they had to add at edge significantly because they didn't really have anybody in the building. But you really, if you if you think you would be mostly comfortable with Wright and Okoronkwo platooning a, across from Garrett, mm-hmm. and you would just need to add like a, a, a $3 million, $4 million a year veteran, then you could potentially see nothing done at edge for the first month of free agency while they go more aggressively at the other areas they need to address. It's it's, And it's similar to the tackle conversation because there's a version of that where they just bring everybody back and sort it out on the field. Yeah. And then there's a version where Jed Wills is traded before free agency starts or, right? Like, I, I think it's very interesting that because in years past, when we've talked about trying to predict where they're going to go, there's been kind of two or three consensus spots. Now, maybe there will be some reporting that shed some light on what they're thinking. But I, I maybe you'll, you have a different impression of this. I think it's much more up in the air about what sort of pivots they decide to make and where they invest the bulk of their assets. Because with the players they're returning, they, they could add depth pieces across the roster and draft and not add a difference maker across the board. And the roster wouldn't feel much different to last year, I think. You know, like, the, yeah. I mean, Zadarius is the highest profile player leaving, right? So if you're comfortable with Alex Wright taking a step forward, which is, I, I think it's a question, but but still, I, my point is just that they could almost stand pat. I know they won't because we know how aggressive they are, but it does make it a little harder to predict. 
Well, they have to make decisions on some of the guys on the roster that we don't like. You mentioned cut and dry. Like we knew Austin Hooper was going to get let go at a certain time. We knew that John Johnson was going to get let go at a certain time. It was sort of very out in the public how these right. things were going to shake out. Yeah. But there between those tackles are very serious decisions to be made. Greg Newsom, a very serious decision to be made because there's a fifth year option looming. There are really interesting pieces here that they have to make in-house decisions on that then facilitate the decisions that they make outside. So yeah, there's intrigue this offseason in a way that is less predictable than it has been. We can give you, and we will at the OBR, the types of people they're interested in based on age and testing and all that stuff, but they have to make some decisions on their own roster before they make their decisions on who they're going to go out there and pursue and how right. aggressive if, they're going yeah. to be. If you look at like the starting depth chart, it's Zadarius Smith, Shelby Harris, Anthony Walker, and if you count Sione Takitaki as a starter, that's that's what's walking out the door. The rest of the the rest of the pending free agents are are depth players, second string players. So yeah, it it's yeah, it's a very interesting situation, and there's not a lot of obvious, like you said, not a lot of obvious cuts. There's areas where we think they need to add, but again, a lot of different paths for them this year because you don't know if they want to go free agency versus draft. So this is I'm I'm taking us off track a little bit, I, but it's just occurring to me that as we've had these conversations a lot of these conversations have kind of circled around we don't know which way they will choose to solve or improve uh position rooms it's a great point it's a great point let's wrap up the vision like what vision we would have i mean in an ideal world if the browns had one more pick between like 55 54 whatever the hell it is and 86 7 8 i don't know something in that range we'll iron that out soon if they had one in between there, I'd be a little bit more like lean into taking an edge that you want to develop behind the guys. But I think they need to go sign an edge. I've said Bryce Huff would make some sense. Uh, I'm fine with taking as big a swing as that. I am also very fine with doing a little bit of what New England did. Sorry, excuse me, Baltimore did and playing the slow game for some veterans and seeing if you can get some cheaper options to cut from that group, which is already pretty strong baseline of talent and applying that to a wide receiver or applying that to, like you mentioned before the break, a meaningful defensive tackle. I mean, say Chris Jones is like actually interested in leaving Kansas city. I would swing for it. I would swing for it. But again, we'll see what shakes out, but that's like, my vision is I would like them to pursue somebody meaningful. I don't think you have to go crazy, but somebody meaningful there. I don't think you can just punt it and say, we'll draft a guy. I, because I agree with that. Yeah, like 54, 55 is like I would like to truly take the best player available and not mm -hmm. be forcing ourselves to go down a path that's uncomfortable with a need. And they've never operated that way. They've usually no. tried to fill these things before yes. the draft. Yeah, they don't want to go into the draft with needs. Yeah. I, I think the 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 idea of of a veteran, a cheaper veteran that allows you some flexibility elsewhere on the roster, whether it is defensive tackle or whether it's uh trying to find some way to, to resolve the offensive line logjam or wide receiver is obviously the one that a lot of people are pointing at. And I think that's definitely right up there. Uh, that, that to me makes a, 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 a certainly a, a good amount of sense, but then it is also always going to be tempting to give miles that true uh, sidekick, right? Mm -hmm. Like Ch chase young on the other side is tantalizing right because it would unlock him in a way that i know that he finished this year in san francisco against 
you know, opposite Nick Bosa, but I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I tend to think that Garrett is even another level above. Maybe that's heresy, but I, I think it's, so that's, that's one that's on my mind, something in that, but that would be probably more of like a one year prove it deal that they would, it's just question of, of what Chase Young's market is. But I, I think I would be happy with either one, which is, you know, to, to your point, the one that wouldn't, make sense would be going into the draft with the room they've got minus Sidarius and then kind of seeing what happens unless there were still some veteran free agents that you liked uh playing like you said that slow game it's it's so funny like (laughs) with not having a first round pick now three years in a row it feels like we've had the same conversation three years in a row about what they'll do in the second round with uh trying to trying to answer wide receiver and edge Right. Like <laughs> it's rotated and then and, they just straight out of it. Ultimately. Right. Right. And, and, and every year it's the same feeling of like, well, I mean, I like some of these guys, but I would really like them to be able to pick a premium player at one of these positions. Yeah. Right. Like how fun would it be? I know this is, this is just, I'm you know, <laughs> it's a counterfactual that has no basis in reality, but how fun would it be if they were like, picking in the twenties and you had a chance to get a, a real guy to pair with miles on a rookie contract. So I was actually looking at the latest pro football focus mock. When you were saying that ironically, I was trying to find who the Texans had as Trevor Sigma put this one together and they took Jerzon Newton, who is a really fun defensive tackle, speedy player, great yep. moves. That would be fun out of Illinois. And that would yeah. be really fun. I'm so tired of not having a first round pick. Yeah. I re- yeah. it really makes the draft so much less enjoyable. So I, I'm looking forward to getting around to that again and uh, in some form or fashion, because there would be a lot of like, like Brian Thomas, the LSU receiver that not enough mm-hmm. people talk about is there. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun names would be sitting on the board at that spot. You are boy, Jordan Morgan from Arizona. Yep. Keon Coleman. Yes. All well, guys I that went after Keon Coleman. Yeah. All guys that went after that spot. So it would just, uh, you know, fantasy world we're living in there, but uh, it would be but really it just nice it does make do these that. conversations about offseason moves so kind of boring because you're talking about well who's the 55th best player it's like well does it matter like <laughs> <No>. i mean <laughs> unless true. you get really lucky that that player is not and and, and to some extent there aren't going to be blue chip players in the mid 20s where the browns would be picking but it it's still more likely or there's you can hope for somebody to drop right you can hope for like the guy that you you think is like the 12th best player to end up into the mid twenties, or maybe they make a small move up and get their guy like they did with JOK a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So it just changes the way you think about all those things. And it turns the draft into more of an afterthought, which I think we've both been pretty clear about our history with the Browns drafts, that it has never been an afterthought for us. I just um, would continue to say that process would be a lot easier to stomach if you were getting the quarterback play that you thought you were going to get. And we haven't seen that yet. So it makes it twice as hard to digest sitting out three straight drafts at the top end of it. Not that they haven't done well. Martin Emerson, right? Dewan Jones, they found guys. They will find a guy in this one, a guy or two. I'm sure of it. But it's nice to discuss the players people know, right? Like Bengals are sitting at 18, and in this mock draft, it's Brock Bowers. It's fun to have an idea. You know, like it's fun to have an idea who the player is and to have big discussions around the position you think they should be drafting. We'll get back to that. I'm not trying to <laughs> make us have an awful start to our draft season, but Andy, you're right, man. It's just, and I've said it in the weeks leading up to this show here is I'm tired of not having a first round pick. So it'll be exciting to get back to that. But yeah, anyway, that's a, that's a, that's a show that's the edge is in a good spot and they can really, um, 
attack it uh, a couple different ways to to get better. I think the baseline is strong and they have some avenues to improve the group and keep it as one of their best performing groups on the on the roster. So we'll look at defensive tackle next, which has a lot more questions around who to bring back. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, free agents that are out there kind of educating ourselves because we haven't gone deep into that group yet and then talking about some prospects that uh, could be there at pick 55 because honestly at the in the spot the Browns picked, they picked Roman Wilson in this draft as a wide receiver I like. But uh, right behind that is Devondre Sweat, the Texas defensive tackle. Really big fella. So um, there you go. We'll, we'll dig into this. We'll dig into some more of it in the coming days. Uh, talk about defensive tackle should be good. So check back in for that one. want to thank John for stopping by earlier for the opener. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. We'll try to have John on every week, time permitting. And then we'll keep the, uh, we'll keep the good stuff rolling. Check tomorrow for the tweet on the mailbag for the weekend. And then, like I said, we'll do a mock every Monday to have some fun with that as well. So as I always say, rate and review the pod if you can on the way out. Uh, appreciate that a great amount for you guys taking the time to do that. And then be well. And have a great Friday, everyone. And go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.